Hi, this is Lauren from Discovery Church. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's podcast. We hope that you find value and that is very impactful to your life today. Have a great one. That community is important. And today we're going to talk about the power of together. We've been in a series called Put Me In Coach. And if there's any sports fans in the house, um, this is the most exciting time of the year. NFL started up. CFL um, is coming to a close. <laughs> but, but the Elks won this weekend. That's a good thing. Grant, where are you? Grant's in her summer. He's a huge Elks fan. Um, baseball, baseball is going into the playoffs. And we're going to pray for the Jays, Lord. Pray that the Jays overtake the Yankees in the standings. Um, uh, we have a couple of Yankees fans here, so I like just rubbing it in. Hockey will soon be starting up. Basketball is soon starting. It is, it is a great time in my life. It is a horrible time in my family's life. I love sports. I do. And uh, this series came around uh, just the idea of September and October being a season where, where lots of churches, and us included, like gear up for an amazing, amazing time, amazing season of we're, we're launching groups again. We're celebrating a five-year party. More people um, are willing to respond to an invitation to church. Get this. More people that you invite in September or October than any other time of the year will respond yes to actually attending church with you. But did you know that 85% of people would actually said yes when, when uh, asked in a survey, would you attend church? 85% of people said yes if it was from a personal invite. Not a social media invite, even though some of you might be here because of a social media post. That's a personal invite from us. But now you can take that and personally invite your friends and your neighbors. And 85% of people will say yes. And we promise you that we will do everything possible to make your invite a positive one when people come in. That's why we spend good money on coffee. Okay? It's not Folgers. Even though may, there may be some Folgers and nothing. Sorry. We spend good money. We, we want to make an experience, not because we think lights and, and sound and amazing kids ministry is what it takes to follow Jesus. But we want Jesus to actually be attractive to people's lives, that Jesus doesn't need to be the most boring thing that we talk about every week when it's the most exciting thing that's happened in humanity, right? So we want to make church in a place of excitement, a place of connection, a place to put smiles on people's faces, a place that brings value to your life, that church shouldn't be endured, it should be enjoyed. So thank you for making it enjoyable today. And, uh, but we are in a series called Put Me In Coach with the start of, uh, start of sports this season, but the start of, 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 of church life again, people coming back off vacation, people packing up their holiday campers and getting back in routine. Uh, we talked about before we get put into the game though, that prayer must be first. And three weeks ago, we talked about the importance of prayer. And uh, not just, you know, showing up and praying on a Sunday morning or praying on the way to church, you know, pray that I don't kill my kids before we get there. But actually, like, taking time, Lord, when I get to the fourth quarter, I don't want to cramp up. I want to be able to make it through. And then last week, we talked about um, the power of team and how important it is to be on team and how we need you. We need you to discover your gifts and, and we have a process for that in Next Steps where you do spiritual gifts tests and personality tests. And we get you connected to a team to be able to serve uh, Jesus through a local church. And we say it like this, is that serving on a team is not getting something from you, but is getting something to you. So God can do something through you. 
that we are stronger together. So, so many people signed up to be in kids and, and, and um, be on worship team and a tech team and just giving it a try because it's not about getting a task done necessarily. It is about entering into relationship and out of that relationship task get done to create an opportunity for people to come to know Jesus. So I encourage you, if you're in this space and you're not on a team and Discovery Church is home, becoming home, you think it might be home, would you you know, join us for next steps um, online. It's, it's all there. Get on a team. Even give it a try because it's connecting with people. But today is the last, um, last message in this Put Me In series. And um, I want to talk about the power of together. The power of together. In Genesis 2.18... Right at the beginning of the scripture, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man, it is not good that man should be alone. Right at the beginning of creation, God recognized that it is not good for man to be alone. You know, DIY might be good on HGTV or on YouTube. But doing it yourself when it comes to your life is a recipe for disaster. You need people, and people need you. You need people, and people need you. I need people, and if you could believe it, people need me. So as we jump in this morning, talking about the power of together as put me in coach, um, Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, today I pray that the words that I speak um, will, will um, penetrate the hearts and lives in a way that only you can. Holy Spirit, would you sift through everything that I will say and what is from you to attach to our hearts and what is from me will just be thrown to the wayside and God, would you help us respond? Would you soften our hearts and our minds today in the name of Jesus? Amen. Our very first culture value here at Discovery Church is that Jesus is our focus. And over and over and over, if, you, if you've been coming to Discovery Church for a while, um, if this is your first time, if you keep coming, you'll hear us talk about our culture values. And uh, our, our very, first one, very first culture value is that Jesus is our focus. So often I'll say, hey, let's look at the life of Jesus and see how we should and how we can live a better life. So today is one of those days where we're looking at the life of Jesus. And, and in order to become fully engaged followers of Jesus, he has to be our focus. When Jesus was here on earth, as in human form, he performed miracles. He raised people from the dead. He fed 5,000 people with very little food. He traveled around at times. There was crowds around him, but most often you would find Jesus surrounded by the people he chose, who we know as his 12 disciples. I would say that that was Jesus's small group. His 12 disciples was Jesus's small group. And uh, if you actually read the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the first four books of the New Testament, which is actually four different perspectives of the life of Jesus. So if you've ever read it, and you're like, why does Matthew sound a lot like Luke and a lot like John? It's because it's the exact same stories, just told through a different eye 
different perspective. But every now and then you'll get, you'll read it and you'll be like, that wasn't in the last gospel or that wasn't in Matthew or Mark, but it's in John or today is one of those days where we see in John a detailed five, five chapters detailed of the last supper where Matthew, Mark, and Luke actually only have a couple lines talking about the last supper. Now, the Last Supper is what we know as the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples before Jesus was, was taken to the cross to give his life um, for, for, as a ransom for our sins so we can have access to God. Now, I, I don't want to throw Matthew, Mark, and Luke under the bus, but I think the Last Supper is a pretty significant moment. I'm so thankful that John took time to, to like literally do it in detail. But I, I, I think about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I'm like, like how, how do you only record like three lines in, the, in your gospel like about this time before Jesus was going? Like the last time that he spent time with you, you're just like, oh, it's fine. And then I thought, I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke are like my wife, Pastor Shauna Lee. Let me, let me, I told Shauna Lee I was saying this today and she, was, she laughed I think Matthew Mark and Luke were foodies because for any foodies out there it's like the moment that good food is around all details go out the window and you're like we, we Sean Lee and I can literally be in a restaurant and we we're talking about something and the waitress or the waiter walks by with other food and I'm still talking and Sean Lee is like "Ooh, that looks good <laughs> and literally it's like she's like she's like memories are made by food I, I think that's what's happening here. Matthew, Mark, and Luke is like, I know Jesus, whatever you're saying is really good, but that turkey, I'm ready to dive in, right? Thanksgiving's in a, in a few weeks. And, and I think that might be what's happening with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm glad that, that John wasn't so much of a foodie, and I'm thankful because I think in these five chapters that we, we, uh, we read about here, that Jesus gives us five things in five chapters of why we need together, why we need people, why we need to be in relationships. And for us, I would even go as a church, I would say why we need to be in small groups. See, it's fine to come in on a Sunday morning and worship and sing songs and listen to a word but there's another 167 hours of the week that you have that is built for relationship. And it's important to do it together. Even Jesus, he didn't send out his disciples alone. He sent them out in pairs. He sent them out together. So I want to show you from the five chapters that we, we find John talking about the Last Supper, five things that we need from others. First one is this, found in John 13. It says, is, is you need someone to care for you. As much as you want, we might want to be independent. God actually created us to be cared for by others. Jesus said to his disciples in John 13, 14, 
And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Essentially, Jesus was saying, I want you to care for one another. I, and I got, I, I've been to a foot washing ceremony before. I'm not doing foot washing ceremonies at Discovery Church, just FYI. So um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. I'm just, I just, what, I think what Jesus is saying here is that there's ways to care for people. And that in that day, a way of caring for your guests when they came in was to actually wash the dust off their feet so they could be welcomed in. When Jesus in, in John 13 is saying, wash other Wash each other's feet. I think he's saying, hey, care for one another. You need one another. You need to be cared for. And the primary way that we as a church um, care for one another is honestly through groups. As we continue to grow as a church, Pastor Shauna Lee and I love you. But we cannot show up to everything. I know that's sad. That's, that's, if, if I could be honest, that's even sad for me. Because I want to be close to people. I want to be able to show up at your door with food. I want to be able to show up to every wedding and every birthday party and every hospital visit. But as we grow, we can't. But it is through groups that our church can. I love hearing stories, um, even, even this past week hearing of a story of how, how somebody heard of a need in our church and started making arrangements of how they could fill that need. And we only heard about it like after it was like being done. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like, it's kind of sad because everything doesn't run through us. Everything doesn't need to run through us. It runs through groups. Uh, also, or, or, the, or the lady that came to us and said, hey, Pastor Lauren, there's, there's a family that I'm aware of that's in a really hard time right now financially. Do you think there's anything that we as a church can do? And we talked about it, talked through the situation, and because of your generosity, and because of their, their um, ear, ear to the ground, and knowing the situation enough, we're actually able to write a check today and send some money to this family so they can actually have groceries or have gasoline or pay the rent. It is through groups that care happens. First so, uh, Corinthians twelve twenty six it says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Care is something you need. Care is something that I need. When Jesus said, wash each other's feet, he's saying, hey, when one part suffers, you care for them in such a way that you feel the hurt. But when one, person, when one part is honored, you get to be a part of that as well because you're close enough to be cared for. It's going to take all of us to care for all of us. Because if care 
is a cycle. What happens is that if I care for you, you care for somebody else, somebody else cares for somebody else, and you care for Betty, and Betty cares for Johnny, and, and Johnny, like, there's, there's like this cycle, and eventually everybody gets cared for, but the reality of it is, is as churches grow, sometimes we, we there's statistics to say that past 150, a, a pastor actually can't care for more than 150 people. 150, I'm like, I could probably do two, you know. But like stats would just say that like after 150, one of the hardest, one of the hardest growth barriers to break is 150 because of this care element. That up to the 150 mark, the lead pastors or like Pastor Sean Lee and I have done a lot of the care. We text, we reach out, we call, we show up. But a lot of churches actually get stuck under 150 because the care is not released. And in the same way, a few weeks ago that we commissioned you to say, go and love people. Don't depend just on the church to reach your friends and family. Don't depend on the church, like me and Pastor Sean Lee, to care for everybody. You see a need, fill it. You see somebody not in relationship, not in, not in community, welcome them into your small group. Don't close the door. Set a seat at your table. Today is group launch, by the way. Uh, this week, uh, groups, groups are starting if you, didn't, if you didn't already catch that. The second thing I want us to learn from Jesus here is found in John 14 is that you need somebody to encourage you. I know that you often were like, no, I can do it on my own. But there's sometimes that we are not like David and Psalms. David says, I encourage myself in the Lord. Sometimes I'm not a very good encourager of myself because I know all my back backstage mess and I know the time that I yelled at my kids and I know the time that I didn't show up for my family and I know the time that put it place it in there John 14 1 it says don't let your hearts be troubled trust in God and trust also in me essentially saying you need encouragement don't let your hearts be troubled. You got this. Keep moving forward. One step in front of the other. I know, I know it might be hard right now, but trust in God. You got this. We're getting through this. How many people know that you need to, there's times that you need somebody to lift your spirits, to speak life? And um, another one of our cultural values here is that encouragement is our language. That if we could be a group of people that the first words out of our mouths are encouragement, man, it would change the atmosphere and complexity of, and, or, um, uh, atmosphere of every one of your relationships. If you walked in and said, I'm not going to take up offense, but I'm going to be willing to be an encourager. The two years of the pandemic, I didn't realize how much I actually needed encouragement. And this is not, I'm not saying this for every one of you to come up and say, hey, pastor, great job. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for people uh, like Gord and like Grant who helped me lead freedom through a couple semesters who would often text and say, hey, man, just praying for you today. Make sure you take it. Make sure you take a break. God's on your side. It was so needed. I didn't, I didn't realize how much I needed people just to breathe life into my soul as I did the two years of the pandemic. And then I realized, it's like, man, if I need it, I think other people need it also. And this is like value Sunday also. There's another one of our values that says generosity is our privilege. 
And often when we talk about generosity, we just think about finances. Now, it's important to be generous with our finances because when we're generous with our finances, uh, it actually cuts the hold that, that money has on our life. But generosity is not just about money. What if we were people known for our generosity of our speech, our generosity of our encouragement, generosity of our compliments, being generous with our laughter, being generous with our praise? What if we were what, what uh, Proverbs 18.21 says? It says, the tongue can bring death or life, but we choose to bring life. Even when it's easy to cut and to, to rip people down that we say, no, 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 that's not, that's not who I am. I'm generous with encouragement. And can I take it even a step further? Because what, can I encourage us to be, uh, to encourage people, not just for what they do, but for who they are? Let me explain for a minute. Often, we get encouraged or we get life spoken over us for what we do. You are an amazing carpenter. Thank you for making my door swing correctly. Or, hey, awesome job at leading worship. Or, hey, those photos that you took they, on that house, they look amazing. See, if we're not careful, we will lean into just giving compliments for what somebody does. But could we be a church that peels it back a few more layers and gives compliments for who they are? Because what we do can be taken away in a moment. We could be a great carpenter, but we could get in an accident and not be able to walk tomorrow. But that shouldn't change who you are. So I'm not saying you can't give a compliment to somebody that's a really good, good with their hands and say, hey, great job on building those cabinets. They look amazing. But what about we actually took it? Hey, great job on those uh, cabinets. That must have taken years of dedication and hours of learning and training to get to that point. Thank you for doing the little stuff that leads to these nice cabinets. Because when cabinet making doesn't exist anymore, the person's dedication still does. And I think in church world, we get so caught up sometimes in giving people compliments for what they do. And, and I'll, I'll take it back to giving compliments for stage life at times. That is great to be able to, for Callie to lead a song and to allow the Holy Spirit to move through her. But that wasn't the first time she sung that song. She practiced all week. She got up early. She was texting me back and forth. We were trying to find keys. So her impact in this room this morning wasn't just because of the song she sang. It was because of the preparation that it took. But in the same way that she can prepare her heart there when she is not on to come in and to bring joy into this space. And often we lose it because we're, we're always complimenting people for what they do. And th but this is what, what happens is when people want to speak death, they don't, they don't rip down what you do. They rip down who you are. They start attacking your character. And when somebody starts attacking your character, the compliments for what you do doesn't seem to measure up to the ripping down of character. So could we build up people's character also when we speak life, not just what they do? It takes a little bit more effort. I'm not going to lie. It takes a little bit more effort to go down a few layers to try to say, hey, why, what did it take for that to actually be good? 
Could we be generous? The third one is found in chapter 15. Is you need someone who will work with you. And we talked about this a lot last week about teams, but Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us to do. But then in Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. But in the same verse in a different translation, it says two are better than one because they are, have a good return for their labor. If you remember last week, one horse could pull 2,500 pounds, but two horses can pull 1,250 pounds. Together, we're better. And the fourth thing is found in chapter 16. In John 16, 1, it says, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. All this I have told you so you would not fall away. The other reason that we need people is that you need people to protect you. We need people to protect us. The Greek word that is translated for fall away or fall astray here is scandalone. Scan. S-K-A-N-D-A-L-O-N. Scandalone. And this word, if you track it back to his original language, is where we get the English word scandal from. So at the Last Supper, Jesus is sitting with, with his disciples, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke are overeating, not getting any of this information. And John is, is leaning in, and, and I think what John is un- helping us understand that here, that Jesus is saying, I'm giving you these tools so that your life doesn't become a scandal. No matter how good you are by yourself, you still have blind spots. We all have them. We all have blind spots that we cannot see. We all have blind spots. No matter how many mirrors you look in, or how many time you check your shoulder, Our lives, we all have blind spots. You can't see them. You need somebody else to see them for you. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Do you know some of the tallest trees in the world have a root system anywhere from five to ten feet deep, but over a hundred feet wide. And if you actually track that system, that root system, you would actually find those roots wrapped around other roots, wrapped around rocks, wrapped around other things in the ground, because what happens is that winds and storms come. It is not just the tree's responsibility for give it as a strength. It's a responsibility of everything else that exists underground. That it takes the other tree next to them, and they're actually stronger together than they would be if they were apart because they're wrapped around one another. We need people to protect us. You need somebody to protect you. You need somebody to see your blind spot. I need somebody to see my blind spots. 
to hold you up, to, to ask you the hard questions. Can, could we be a group of people that are not offended when somebody asks you a hard question? Because our, our natural response, and not just us, hey, this is, this is our family. Our natural response as humans is when somebody asks us a hard question, we take offense and we take defense. So what do we do? We run out the door and never return again when it's actually maybe it's out of love that we're asking the question to help you see your blind spot because we care for you more than the person out there that doesn't care what you do or if you fall or if your life becomes a scandal, that we want to be a place where we say, hey, did you see this? Have you seen this? But we only receive it when we're close. I say like this, constructive criticism is only criticism without relationship. I might come to you and see something, see a blind spot, but if I don't have a relationship with you, it's just criticism or that's how you receive it. But would we be in relationship with people? Would we be together enough that when somebody says something, when somebody identifies a blind spot, that it might hurt a little, but we know that that person is not doing it to rip us down, but they're doing it because they love us enough to help us identify something in our life that's leading us to a cliff, that's leading us to a scandal. Would we be big enough? Would I be big enough? Would you be big enough to stay in relationship even when people point out blind spots. We need people to protect us. The fifth one and final is you need people who will pray with you. In John 17, 9, it says, this is what Jesus says, my prayer is not for the world. I had to read this a few times over because I'm like, this, is, this doesn't sound like Jesus or the Jesus that, but sometimes the Bible still speaks to me, even though I've read it a few times and often in it, it says, John 17, 9, it says, my prayer is not for the world. Jesus, you came to seek and save the lost. Well, right here, it says, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. Jesus started out praying, not for the world, not for sick people, not for hurting people, but for his people, for his 12 disciples, for the people that were close. You need to be together. You need to be close enough to people. I would say even you need to be in a group. You need to be on a team. Because that's our way to make sure that we are praying for you. And I know need is a strong word. But so many times, church is just a spectator thing. We come in and we leave and we do it again next week and we put it in our, in our calendars. But who's praying for you? Who's showing up when you are in the hospital? Who are you texting at three in the morning when your kid is not home for the fourth night in a row and you are super worried? Who are you calling at 4.30 in the afternoon to celebrate um, when you got a promotion at work? Now, Jesus prayed for the lost, and he prayed for the world. But he says here, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me. 
Jesus didn't only pray for them, he prayed for them first. Freedom Groups uh, is one of our groups that we'll be launching starting next week. And uh, I have the privilege of leading a, the men's freedom group with a couple of guys here. And when I start freedom, my prayer, the top of my prayer list goes to those guys that are in, my, in the freedom course with me. Because for the next 12 weeks, they are the people that are closest to my life. They are the people that Jesus entrusted me with, has given me to be able to lead through this process and to be close enough that they see my blind spots. I also have people praying for me. I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for a group of pastors that I connect with on a regular basis across our nation that are praying for me, that help, also help me see my blind spots. And it's not just that I'm not just dependent upon you, but I have groups of colleagues, people through a network out of Fort Myers, Florida, that's the Canadian section that I'm, I'm in constant relationship with. That people are praying for me. Last night we received a text in, in that group. If somebody is, um, the left side of the body went completely numb last night. And the first thing he did is picked up his phone and he texted our group and said, hey, can you pray for me? This is what's happening. Not sure what's up. We're praying for one another. We are better together is not just something we say, it's something we do. If we try to do life alone, then we're going against one of the first things that God identified wrong. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. And this is not about marriage, even though that verse is often used in the context of a wedding ceremony. It is not good for you to be alone. When you are alone, Satan will have a field day. And I get it that we've probably heard it and we've maybe lived it and we, we have friends. I can be a Christian, but I don't need the church or I hate the church. Well, it's really hard to be a Christian and hate his bride. And this is not a, a, a scare tactic or a guilt tactic to get more people in seats on a Sunday morning. Because reality of it is, is if our, if, our, if our house is packed on a Sunday, but outside of these walls, nobody knows each other and nobody's doing life with each other, then this is just a, a spectator event that we come to on a Sunday to get a few goosebumps every now and then. It's not what it's about. Life is better together. It's harder. Sometimes it's harder to get things done. You want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go, to, go together. You've probably heard that before. Mother Teresa said this, the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. Sometimes loneliness is brought on by ourselves. If you're here and this is your home, this is your church, I want to encourage you. Would you get connected to a group? Would you get connected to a small group? And can I, I'll even say this. That small group will not be perfect. It might not even be the group that 
you will forever connect with. The groups are starting this week and next, and you can find all the groups that are happening. There's not a ton. There's, there's not a ton. So you might be like, there's nothing for me. Start one. Welcome people in. If you're in this space and you've never, if you've never been in freedom before and you've given your life to Christ, I would strongly encourage you that the first group to be in is a freedom group. There's a ladies group that's, that's happening on Tuesday evenings. There's a guys group that's happening on Mondays. And if we have more people to sign up than we can handle those two days, we'll, we'll double and triple it up. We'll, we'll, we'll make room for it. And the best way to find, find groups is to, through the Church Center app. And on the Church Center app, you'll find wing, guys' wing night. It's right here. You can even scan the QR code. We'll leave it up. It'll be in rotation. Wing night and parent groups and, and um, family groups and ladies groups. I don't know. There's, there's a few. I, Pastor Sean Lee oversees groups. So I don't know them all. I just know they're important. We need one another. And if you're here, you've made a step to give Pastor Shawnee and I the privilege of being your spiritual mom and dad. Not from an authoritative perspective, but we get to lead this place into being fully engaged followers of Jesus. And when dad sits across the table and says, hey, in life you need people, and he demonstrates it, and he can share stories of how it impacted his life, what happens is often you go out and do what dad said. This is not from an authoritative, but your life will be headed for destruction if we do not have people if we do not have people to care for us, if we do not have people to encourage us, if we do not have people to protect us, if we do not have people to work together, if we do not have people to pray with us, we are a target for Satan. There's a story uh, I read one time, and it it comes out of a a tribe in Africa, and I forget the name of the tribe, but uh, most of the people in the tribe were really short. And uh, one of their um, inductions into manhood was that they had to, like, they had to kill an elephant. I remember reading this story, and uh, there is, there's a picture of this little man, a little teenager next to this huge elephant. And the person that was telling the story asked this little man, he said, how did you kill this beast of an animal? And he said, with my club. And he was like, what club? These 60 60 people helped me take down this beast. See, often we think it's up to us that if we're going to succeed in life, if we're going to move to become fully engaged followers of Jesus, we're going to have to look at the life of Jesus. We're going to have to adopt his lifestyle and we're going to have to allow people close. So at this time, I want to, I want to invite Nadine to come up and... Uh, She's going to share a little bit about the impact that freedom has had on her life. And this is, this is to hopefully inspire you, to inspire you to make a step 
to get in a freedom group. If you've never been in a freedom group, if you've been in a freedom group, continue it by being in a group, or maybe it's time for you to lead a group. Nadine, um, what impact has freedom had on your life? Oh, yeah. Check, check. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Um, so I'm a recovering people pleaser, and Enneagram type 9, um, wing 2. Um, so I've been always so focused on what other people thought about me, um, and my mind just kept going and telling me scenarios that hey, you're not good enough, oh, they think you're weird, oh, stop talking, you're talking way too much. And those are actually lies from Satan. And so the impact that I've had on my life from freedom is learning how to combat those lies Mm. and how to prepare myself for the spiritual warfare. Yeah. yeah. Um, What have been a couple, like, takeaways? Because you you did it as a, you you went through it twice. I went through it twice. as somebody pointed out last week, I'm like six times through it. So, yeah. So yeah. You, but, so the first time we, we kind of, I didn't know what I was getting into. I was just there to hang out with people. Um, and then some of the questions got really deep. So I needed the time to think about how to respond to things. And I found that after the first time I went through, I needed to go again. I couldn't dig deep enough through that first time. It just went by so fast. And so the second time is when I really dug deep in my heart and really looked into the different challenges that I've been through and put into practice how I can spend more time with God and make it a more common thing in my life. Yeah, if, uh, if you reflect a few weeks back, Nadine was actually one of our five for five speakers. So five for five is where we take five people, give them five minutes to share something God's done in their life. Go back and listen to a little bit of our testimony, and uh, there's freedom written all over it. And this is what I, how I like to frame freedom. Freedom is not like a fix-all. It's not like a one-hit wonder, like if I go through this, my life is perfect. And um, It's not counseling. It's not psychology. Well, whatever I'm trying to say. Um, it's, it's our process of becoming more like Jesus. And freedom helps us identify things in our lives that might have been trauma that we might have hid we bring them into the light we identify the lies and then we put tools in place to how to move forward into living and becoming more like Jesus so if you're here and you have a desire to say hey I want to live more like Jesus I'd encourage you to jump in freedom what are, yeah, you were about it's, to say something. It's a learning process. Like, I've gone through it twice, but I feel like I need to, like, my entire life is going to be a journey with Christ through freedom, and I don't always remember all of the tools right but you, away. But you have the resources to be able but to go I back. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes it's reflecting back on how I dealt with something and learning from that mistake, saying, hey, I actually could have used this tool at this time, yeah. and it's actually brought me more peace. So being able to reflect back and think about the different tools and how I could have responded to it, I don't dwell on it anymore as long like I used to dwell on it for a long time and Satan would be in my head all the time, but now it's, it's been more peaceful. Yeah, that's good. For, for me, um, I've, I've learned that I battle with rejection, the fear of rejection, and to actually get to a point where... Um, realizing that I don't need to take offense when I feel like people are rejecting me. 
and uh, being able to live in a place where I'm not offended often is beautiful, freeing. Just be like, I don't, it's, somebody might say something that they're like, they want to offend me, and I'm like, oh, I don't care. Like, I do care, but it's just like, freedom has helped me understand that, that I'm actually a son of God, and that's my foundation, right? You're a daughter of God. That's your foundation, and everything's built off that, but sometimes we try to build our lives off of other, other things that are foundation, but they'll break. Before, you're a, before you are a wife, you are a daughter of God. Before you are a daughter of a human, you are a daughter of God. I'm a son of God. And the whole Freedom Course is built around helping us understand how we're sons and daughters and the, and, uh, the impact that that has when we walk through life. So this is what I would encourage you to do. We're going to keep the group slide up there. And uh, we're going to close out our service. Sometime, just would you scan that QR code? Would you find a group? Freedom, freedom group, I, I, again, I'll lean into it and say, hey, if you've never been in a group at Discovery Church, this is your first step. This is your first one. You should, like, you should remember, Gord. Um, like, I encourage you strongly to do it. And there is a little bit of a, a, a course cost to it that, um, to help us pay for the resources and things. And if that is a hindrance, don't worry about it. We will cover it. So, Lord, we thank you today. Power of together. It's important to have people in our corner to pray with us, to cheer us on, to encourage us, to help us see our blind spots, to work with, to, to care for us. God, we, we believe in the power of together. Community is our strength. So, God, today I pray that it would impact our hearts and our lives, that we would actually lean into the process, the system that we have here at Discovery Church to be being together. Don't want to let a moment go by, so every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know what it's like to feel connected to a Christian community, but you've never given your life to Christ before, this is your moment. Because before you connect to somebody else, before you connect to others, the first person you need to connect to is Jesus Christ. And I just want to give a moment that if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ before, I just want to count to three. And if you're wanting to make a decision in this moment to give your life to Christ, you might not even know what it all entails, that's okay. But you're feeling in your spirit that you need to make a change, you need to make a step. I just want you to raise your hand when I get to three. One, two, three. Just take a moment. God, we thank you for those individuals that are making a decision to connect with you. To connect with you first. Guys, they're giving their lives to you. They're giving their lordship of their life completely to you. God, I pray that you would come in. You would, you would move their hearts. You would move their their, their spirits and knowing that they are now a son of God. They're now a daughter of God. We accept you as our Savior and Lord. We recognize and believe that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And you rose three days later so we can have life and life to the full. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you've given your life to Christ today, we'd love to know about it. 
You have to be a Christian for yourself, but you cannot be a Christian by yourself. Would you grab a Connect card in the seat in front of you? Would you fill it out um, uh, and drop it at the info bar in the back? Um, drop it at the info bar in the back, or maybe it's your first time, you're new to, or maybe second time, new to Discovery Church. Would you do the same? Would you grab a connection card, drop it off the info bar at the back? And also at the info bar uh, today, um, you, may have, you may know or you may not know, but for the first First time in a while, we have uh, church merch, um, and it's uh, our five-year merch. I encourage you. Uh, would you would you buy a shirt? Uh, we, we're just we're just whatever the cost was on the shirts is what we're selling them for because it's not about promoting Discovery Church, but it's about instilling an opportunity for conversation with people. As you wear the shirt, would you would you be willing to say, hey, would somebody notice my shirt and ask me questions about it? Um, because everything we do, we want to resource you with tools to be able to evangelize and to be able to tell people about Jesus in your life. Discovery Church, we love you. We're proud to be your pastors. Have an amazing day.